Greetings and welcome to the Mount Calvary Nation podcast hosted by Mount Calvary Baptist Church in Dayton, Ohio, where our pastor is the Reverend S.N. Winston Jr. We thank you for joining us and hope that this episode blesses you.
What a wonderful Savior he is. Revelation chapter 5. We're going to start reading at verse 9. If you don't have your Bible with you, it is here on the screen. From the King James Version of the Holy Bible, here's how it reads. And they sung a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof. For thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation and has made us unto our God kings and priests and we shall reign on the earth and I beheld and I heard the voice of many angels round about the throne and the beasts and the elders and the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And every creature which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all that are in them heard I saying, Blessing and honor and glory and power be unto him that sitteth on the, upon the throne and unto the Lamb forever and ever. Verses 9 through 13 of Revelation 5. You may be seated. Brother Mac, you had a birthday since the last time we were together. Sir, <laughs> you ain't forgive us yet? Yes, sir. Thank you. <laughs> yes, sir. We thank God that you are here. Believe it or not, 
We are already at the first Sunday in November. For 10 months, we as a church family have been talking about, we've been focused on transforming lives through organic worship. Worship without any additives or preservatives. Worship that is pure and unadulterated. Worship that is centered only on the isness of God. Worship that is based on who God is. Worship that starts on the inside of us. It doesn't have to wait for the right atmosphere. It is not contingent on the right music or the right song. But worship that can break out anywhere. At any time. As a matter of fact, worship that is lived and not just performed. That's why our worship is not situational or circumstantial. Because whatever situation we find ourselves in, whatever the current circumstance, we live a lifestyle of worship because the Lord is still worthy. Whatever's going on around us, he's still God, he's still in charge, he's still the king, and he is still worthy of our praise. The passage that was read in your hearing this morning is from the revelation of Jesus Christ as given to John. And in this, the last book of the Bible, from which many stay away because of all of its symbolism, in the vivid picture that John paints, we get a picture of worship as it is in heaven. He gives us a glimpse of heavenly worship. Unless we get too far removed from what worship really is, I think we need to take a look at what worship looks like in heaven so that we can see what it should look like on earth. And for just a little while today on our way to the table, I want to examine this picture as I preach from the subject on earth as it is in heaven. Say that with me, on earth as it is in heaven. There is some remarkable insight into worship that's given here. First of all, let's take a look at what's going on in the previous chapter. Uh, John gets caught up and gets a glimpse of the throne of God, the creator, the ruler of the world. He sees God on the throne surrounded by holy ones and he is receiving their praise. And now in this chapter, he sees in the right hand of the one sitting on the throne, he sees a scroll, a book. The counsels, the decrees of God, the plans and mysteries of God. The book is in his right hand and it is sealed with seven seals. Um, because of our focus today, we're not going to get too deep into, the, uh, into all the symbolism that's, that's in this. Uh, let, me, let me just paint the, the picture that, that John paints here and we'll get on with the study. Uh, John hears an angel ask the question, who is worthy to break the seals and to look into the book. Who is sufficient to explain or execute 
the counsels and the will of God. And the Bible says nobody was found worthy. Nobody in heaven, no one on earth, no one under the earth was found worthy to open the book. And John begins to cry because there's nobody worthy. And one of the elders says to him, don't cry, John. There is one and only one who is worthy to take the book. There is only one who can break the seals. And what's, what's interesting about this, these seven seals, I, I, I said I wouldn't get into it, but let me just explain one thing. In John's day, uh, when there was a scroll sealed with seven seals, it was most likely somebody's will and testament. And there is one, the, the elder says, who is able, who is worthy, who can open the will of God and reveal the mysteries that are within. There's one worthy. He is the lion of the tribe of Judah. He's the root of David, the triumphant one, the conqueror, the victorious one. He is worthy. And the Bible said when John looks to see this conquering king, when he looks to see uh, this lion of the tribe of Judah, when he looks to see the root of David, what he sees is a lamb. In the midst of the throne, and four living creatures and 24 elders, in the midst of them, he sees a lamb standing like it had been slain. And the worthy one, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, the lamb, went and took the book from God on the throne. And John records that as soon as he took the beast, the, uh, pardon me, the book, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb and began to worship him. They began to worship with praise and prayer. They worshiped. And there is a wonderful revelation of the spirit of worship here as, as first of all, in this worship experience, we see number one, who is being worshipped? Who is being worshipped? The song begins, you're worthy. You're worthy. You. Who? Who is this? You, to whom are they singing? Who, who is this to whom their worship is directed? Well, John has already clued us in as to the object of their worship. John has already described the object of worship by using three terms. Let me give them to you real quickly. First of all, he's called the Lion of the tribe of Judah. The Lion of the tribe of Judah. This is significant. Lions in the Bible represent invincibility and courage in righteous warfare. As a matter of fact, God refers to himself as a lion several times in the Bible, particularly when executing judgment on unrighteous people. You want to go back and look it up. Hosea uh, chapter 5 verse 14. Hosea chapter 11 verse 10. Hosea chapter 13 verses 7 through 9. The term lion uh, God uses to refer to himself. Uh, this term lion of the tribe of Judah finds its roots in Genesis 49, 9 and 10. Jacob has called his sons together. He's going to prophesy to all his sons and when he gets to Judah he says Judah you and your descendants will keep the right to rule until the Messiah comes. Bible scholars regard this as one of those Old Testament uh, messianic 
uh, prophecies, that's what they call it, a prophecy that Jesus is coming later on, a prophecy that finds its fulfillment in Jesus who is the ultimate ruler, the lion of Judah, the king, the victorious warrior, the one who conquered death, hell, and the grave. And let me just say right here, as he refers to himself as a lion, I want to combat something that is an error that is rampant in the church today because we misquote the word all the time. Let me show you what I mean. You know, uh, we, we say Satan is a lion going around looking for whom he can devour. But the Bible doesn't call Satan a lion. It says he roars like one. He does not, he is not to be compared to our God who is the lion of the tribe of Judah. The devil is already defeated. The imposter has been defeated by the real thing. The lion of the tribe of Judah has already conquered the pretender. Heavenly worship we're looking at. He calls him the lion of the tribe of Judah, but he also calls him the root of of David, root of David. This goes back to Isaiah chapter 11. I got to teach you for a little bit so that we can understand uh, so we can understand what we're doing when we worship on earth as it is in heaven. Uh, the root of David. Uh, Isaiah chapter 11 verse 1 a shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse, that's David's father huh? from his roots a branch will bear fruit. Verse 2, the spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and of understanding, the spirit of counsel and of might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. That's verse 2. Then verse 3 says, he will delight in the fear of the Lord. He will not judge by what he sees with his eyes or decide by what he hears with his ears, but with righteousness he will judge the needy. With justice he will give decisions for the poor of the earth. He will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth. With the breath of his lips he will slay the wicked. Righteousness will be his belt and faithfulness the sash around his waist. All this refers to Jesus Christ, the one who is coming from the line of David and his father Jesse. Now it's true significance are y'all still with me I'm trying to move I'm trying to move in a hurry it's true significance can be revealed in the reference to Jesus as both the root of David and the offspring of David that's a little tough isn't it uh, y'all remember when uh, when Jesus w went into when he rode in they call it the triumphal entry right on Palm Sunday for four days he was being examined by religious leaders and on one occasion he posed the same question to the Pharisees he, can I give it to you in Winston translation he says uh, what what do you think about the Christ whose son is he and they say well he's the son of David. And Jesus asked them, well then how can David, if he's the son of David, how can David call him Lord? Because David himself made reference to that unique relationship that he would share with the Messiah. The Messiah would be one of his offspring and yet be his Lord. Who else but the creator himself, God in the flesh, Jesus Christ, could create the very thing he would come from? Anybody in here who created their ancestors? Would you raise your hand, please? <laughs> ah, then it makes sense that he is the king of kings. 
John references Judah, uh, references Jesus as the Lion of Judah, as the Root of David, and then we see him as the Lamb. Now, this isn't the first time that we see the Messiah as the Lamb, right? You all remember Isaiah 53. Isaiah 53, you already know what it says. Surely he has borne our griefs, he has carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him uh, stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted, but he was wounded. You all know what it says. For our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him and with his stripes we are healed and then down in verse 7 it says he was oppressed and he was afflicted yet he opened not his mouth he brought he is brought as a lamb to the slaughter then when John is introducing Jesus in his gospel he says behold the lamb of God direct reference to the Passover lamb back in Exodus I know you didn't come for Sunday school, but the whole Bible is connected, right? So it refers to the Passover lamb back in Exodus when the children of Israel are about to get out of Egypt and, uh, and God said, go kill a lamb and put the, the blood on the doorpost because it is the blood that will save you when I come through here and destroy everything else tonight. He said, when I see the blood, I'll pass over you. When we look at the object of our worship, we see a conquering king. We see the lion of Judah. We see the one who is powerful enough to create his own ancestors. And we see the lamb, the savior of the whole world. What are you trying to say, Reverend? Here's what I'm trying to say. The theme of their heavenly worship is Jesus, period. I'm trying to help us out. The theme of their worship is not their own story. It's Jesus. I'm going to say that again. The theme of their worship is not their own story. It's Jesus. The theme of their worship is not the devil and how mean he's been. It's Jesus. In heaven, their worship is centered on Jesus, period. And on earth, our worship should be centered on Jesus, Period. Uh, I don't mean any harm. I only pastor one church, the Mount Calvary Missionary Baptist Church. Can't tell you what you'll hear when you go to worship in other places. But when you come here, you will hear us singing about. You'll hear us shouting about. You will see us praising the name of Jesus. Because our worship is not contingent on stuff that don't last. That's who we worship. Well, not only that, we see who's worshiping. That's, that's the second point. We'll get out of here, get ready to go back at 4 o'clock. We see who's worshiping. John is quite specific about what he sees and hears in this heavenly worship experience. The four living creatures and the 24 elders. Now, to understand who this represents, to understand who they are, you got to look at what they're saying. And it's in verse 9, they say, you're worthy because you were slain, you were killed, to redeem us by your blood. Gives you all the information you need to know. Who's worshiping? Redeemed people. From every kindred, every language, every color, 
every nation. They don't look like each other. They don't sound like each other. But all of them have been redeemed by the same blood of the Lamb. You redeemed us so you're worthy. You, you took us from slavery to the evil one. You took us from slavery to sin and made us kings and priests. You gave us royal blood. Who's worshiping in this heavenly experience? Those who know that they've been redeemed. Those who know they've been bought with a price. Those who know that they have royal blood. I want to ask this afternoon, is there anybody in this sacred sanctuary who knows that you have been redeemed? Is there anybody who knows you've been bought with a price? Anybody who can testify that the Lord brought you out of slavery to sin? Well then, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Now before I leave this, before I leave this, let me show you a couple things I notice about the worship from the redeemed ones. First of all, everybody's doing it. <laughs> there are not four elders worshiping while 20 sit and look at them. They're not divided into groups of worshipers and spectators they're not divided into groups of we worship this way and we worship this way and never the twain shall meet no there are not separate groups there are not worshipers and spectators all of them representing the whole of redeemed humanity all of them are worshiping look at somebody and tell them magnify the Lord with me That's the first thing I notice about these redeemed worshipers is everybody's doing it. There's something else I notice about the worship from the redeemed folk. Uh, let's see, I don't, I don't mean to mess with what is. I just, I, I just got to tell you what I see. Nobody has to beg them to worship. I'm not... Uh, nobody has to coerce them to worship nobody has to cheerlead them to worship nobody has to browbeat them to worship nobody has to shame them to worship as a matter of fact nobody gets up and says a word the bible says as soon as jesus took the scroll in other words as soon as they saw what jesus had done they worshiped they didn't wait for somebody else to get it started they didn't wait for the music. They didn't wait for their own. They, they didn't wait for the instruments. They didn't wait for the praise leader. They didn't wait for the lights. They didn't wait for the screen. They didn't wait for the mics to start working. Listen, listen. Can, can I tell y'all what blessed me uh, a couple weeks ago? We, we had the installation service for Ohio Baptist General Convention. And I'll tell you, and y'all forgive me, OBGC, if anybody's watching. But y'all know I'm telling the truth. It was just as dry as dry could be. I don't, I don't know what was going on. I, I, don't, I don't know what was going on. But it seemed like everybody came to just watch and look. But there was one person among us who had just been released from the hospital earlier that day. Miss Ann Grady, she was back there throwing. When I'm back to sit, I tell you. 
She didn't wait for the music. She didn't wait for the lights. She didn't wait for the choir. She didn't care that nobody wasn't saying nothing. She just said, mm, thank you. Is there anybody who will say in here, I really don't need anybody to pump me. I, I really don't need anybody to push me. You just move out of the way so I can see Jesus. That's, that's why they all say Jesus said like this. When I think of the goodness of Jesus and all that he's done for me, my soul cries out, hallelujah. Thank God for saving me. I, they're not singing about a car. They're not singing about a house. They're not singing about a man. They're not singing about a woman. They're not singing about a new job. They're not singing about stuff. They're worshiping God based on something far more precious than a new car or a new house or a new man or a new woman. They are worshiping the Lamb because he saved them. Is there anybody here who's just glad to be saved? Sanctified and filled with the precious Holy Ghost. Anybody glad to be redeemed? Anybody glad you've been washed in the blood of the Lamb? That's why the hymn writer said, What can wash? away my sin nothing but the blood of Jesus what can make me whole again nothing but the blood of Jesus all precious is that flow that makes me white as snow no other fount I know nothing but the blood of Jesus sin had left a crimson stain but he washed me, he cleansed me, he set me apart. That's why I worship him. That's the heart of my worship because I've been washed in the blood of the lamb. Would you grab somebody and tell them I've been washed in the blood of the lamb. I'm saved, I'm saved, I'm, I'm saved, I'm saved, I'm saved, I'm saved. I'm saved. I may not have money, but I'm saved. I may not have friends, but I'm saved. I may not have the best of anything, but I'm saved. I may not have a Rolls Royce, but I'm saved. I may not have fame or popularity, but I'm saved. Sometimes I blow it, but I'm saved. One thing I know. I've been born again. One thing I know. I'm, I, yes, sir. Are you glad about it? Why don't you tell three people I've been redeemed? I've been redeemed. I've been redeemed. That's worship. I've been redeemed. That's worship. 
So I say worthy is the lamb that was slain. Worthy is the lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. That's worship. I'm glad to be saved to him who sits on the throne and unto the Lamb. Take the car. You can have the house. Keep the stuff. All I want is Jesus. We've got to move. We gotta go. We gotta go. Just lift your hands and say, Worthy! us to worship on earth as it is in heaven. And y'all, you scan it for yourself when you get some time. Look through Revelation and I believe that all the episodes of worship that you see will have something to do with the cross. something to do with the lamb being slain. I know, I know. We, we, got, we got caught up. We got caught up. We got caught up in the hype. But we connected our worship to stuff. That's... That's why the Lord allowed the enemy. Come and get some of the stuff. <laughs> so that he could mature our worship. So it's not based on stuff. right now who can testify the Lord let him take it all but I'm still saved you're in a whole different place now 
listen, y'all, y'all. <laughs> I don't mean no harm. Y'all go around talking about stuff. Y'all go, y'all go around talking about I'm taking everything back. Listen, some of that stuff the devil took, he can keep. He can have it. He can take it. Go. Get to stepping because I still got Jesus. And I wouldn't be half the person I am right now. I, I'm, I quit. We want to worship on earth as it is in heaven. If that's your heart's desire, would you clap, the, clap your hands and tell the Lord, thank you. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for rescuing me. Hallelujah to Jesus. What a wonderful Savior. If you're here today and you're not sure that you're saved, let me tell you, there is nothing better than knowing the Lord Jesus. Nothing better.